for a while, Kat got in touch with me. It seemed, I don't know, a long time ago. It's taken us a while to get here with all our travelling and coming and going and finding a time. And uh, October, just it's worked out really well, better than I anticipated with your focus. And even speaking about hope, um, I'm going to talk about the rope of hope today. So I've got a bit of a visual aid. This will make a bit more sense maybe as we keep talking. I'm just going to let it dangle there. Um, but this just, uh, I think, will fit in really well with what's been happening for you, happening for us as a nation, happening for our world at the moment. Uh, the word hope uh, is a really key uh, idea, isn't it? Uh, it's so good to be here on behalf of Baptist Mission Australia. That's a new name. It's a new label for our national movement as we seek to reach out in different parts of the world. Um, Many of us may have grown up with ABMS, um, Australian Baptist Missionary Society. Somebody said it's, it stands for another boring missionary speaker. Um, <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. what You let me know afterwards whether um, we should go back to the old name or not. But in between, of course, we were known as Global Interaction. And uh, that was a really important way of communicating who we were. But here we are, Baptist Mission Australia. We have Baptist... Uh, a World Aid Australia, and so our brand is sort of out there freshly, and it seems to have been a really good idea as we're sort of refreshing and resetting, and there's a lot of that going on in lots of organisations and in churches and in our lives, isn't there? Now, I want to talk about the rope of hope for a few minutes today. Hope, it's a, it's a big idea, isn't it? And it's a word that's getting used, and uh, people promise us hope in all sorts of ways. Uh, we all need hope. Uh, our Indigenous people, in many ways, a lot of them sadly have lost hope uh, due to the generational trauma, and even what's gone on more recently uh, has been very hard for many of them. We all want hope, um, especially when there's uncertainty, especially when things seem out of control, and they certainly feel that way at the moment. Uh, when the pressure is on, uh, we need hope, don't we? And maybe just even hearing that word this morning, I wonder where your head goes, where do your emotions go uh, this afternoon, this week? What's been happening? Where are you at? Um, where do you need hope at the moment? Um, yeah, what are the key things that push that for you? Well, the Bible's got a lot to say about hope. And in recent times, as I really sort of wanted to dig into that, I bumped into the fact that there's a Hebrew word, tikvah, uh, which is the most common word translated as hope uh, in our Old Testament. Uh, it's a Hebrew word. Can you say the word tikvah with me? Let's say it out together. Tikvah. Let's do it again. Tikvah. Okay, so you all speak Hebrew now. That's very good. Um, interestingly, the national anthem of the state of Israel is called Ha-Tikvah, the hope. And it turns out the very first mention of the word tikvah is in Joshua chapter 2. So that's why we're there uh, today in the story of Rahab. Rahab was living on her own, uh, maybe not surprisingly because of the profession, uh, entertaining men as she was, uh, living in part of the fortress wall around the city of Jericho, the gateway uh, as it became to the land of Canaan. Now, it's 40 years now. It's a really key sort of hinge point in our Bibles, you may not read Joshua that often. Uh, amazing book, an amazing transitional uh, book in how God revealed himself and in the history of God's people, which continues. And the Israelites, sadly, had refused to believe in the promise that God had given them. They'd sort of given up hope, thought it was all over. And in the end, even as God brought them out of Egypt, uh, they sentenced themselves to 40 years of wandering 
just because their disbelief didn't think God was going to come through. And they're wandering around, and here we are, Rahab's time. The whole generation that came out of Egypt uh, is, have lost their lives. They're no longer there, except, of course, for Joshua and Caleb. And Rahab would have been able to look out her window to see that the people of Israel, the Israelites, were there camped uh, just across the Jordan River and had a sense that they were about to hit uh, Jericho. Now, I wonder what you see when you look out your window. We talked about looking out the window in that song, didn't we? Uh, When you look out the window of your life, when you look towards the horizon at the moment, uh, what do you see? What are you aware of, I wonder? What are you expecting? Uh, What is your hope? Uh, Where is your hope? Where have you placed your hope? Who is the person? Who are the people? Who is the organisation that maybe you've placed your hope in? What's all that about? Well, Rahab and the population of Jericho uh, knew that the Israelites had a reputation and they had a sense that they were in trouble. Uh, God's people had been on the move. No one had been able to stand against them uh, in recent times. And when you look through your Bible, you'll see that Arad, the Amorites, Bashan, Moab and the five kings of Midian had all been recently dispatched by the Israelites. And now here they come up to the Jordan River to cross that opposite Jericho. The city is in lockdown in fear uh, for good reason. And Joshua sends two spies to check out the city, uh, to check out what's maybe possible, where the wisdom is for the next steps. And they end up being sheltered by Rahab. She protects them, interestingly, from the king of Jericho, who somehow, the Bible tells us, had heard that some spies had come into the city and he was very keen to find out where they were. What did Rahab do? She hides them under uh, flax that is drying on her roof, uh, knowing that uh, they have to be sort of secreted away. Verse 9 in our Bible reading tells us that she already knew that God, who she had some uh, sense of, had given her city into the hands of the Israelites. And in verse 11, Rahab says, For the Lord your God is God in heaven and on the earth below. And so she does a deal. Uh, She's not a silly lady. She puts her hope and the life of her probably estranged family, no doubt, maybe because of her profession, her occupation, she puts her life, the life of her family, in the hands of these two spies. And she helps them then get away, verse 15. She lets them down by a rope. Uh, she's living on the outside wall. Her window faces outside that, lets them down by a rope uh, from the window in her house. And what's the sign of this deal? Um, if you know the story, and we haven't read all of it today, this afternoon you might want to go home and read the, the rest of chapter 2. Verse 18 She ties a scarlet cord, a thread, or a rope, uh, depending on the translation of the Bible you have, probably made from dried flax. It was dyed red, and it was to hang in her window to mark the location of her house. So when the Israelites turned up, that same rope would still be there, uh, telling them that this family, the people in this house, were to be saved and spared. And so the rope was left hanging there. And sure enough... Chapter 6, the walls miraculously come tumbling down. The scarlet rope still hangs in the window, marking the spot. Rahab and her family are the only ones, the only residents of Jericho who survive. Now, why do I rehearse all this for you? Well, guess what? Guess what? And this is what really amazed me. I did not know this. You may not know this either. 
the very first mention in our Bible of the word tikvah, the Hebrew word usually translated as hope, is in this story, the first mention of this word in the whole of the scriptures is translated not as hope, but as rope in the story of Rahab, or cord maybe, depending on your Bible translation. Now, Hebrew, like lots of languages, has these exceptions with different words. Even in English, um, our, our language can go in different directions, can't it? So this is a story about the rope of hope, uh, very literally. And it's an amazing, powerful picture. And it's why I've got, well, it's not quite scarlet, but anyway, it's the best I could do, um, a rope here today. So why would that be? Well, the root meaning of tikvah, of this word that's translated rope here, speaks about multiple strands being combined, things being put together to give us something to hope for, to expect, to anticipate, to wait for. So if that's the case, what can we take from this story of Rahab that can help us understand what hope is really about, what God would say to us um, here in Morris, here in the Bayside area of the city of Melbourne in 2023 as Christmas is uh, almost here? What's it all about? What will you take home today, I wonder? What is that key idea? Well, let me give you a couple ideas and uh, maybe one of them will particularly connect for you. Uh, first of all, the boldness of Rahab's faith, and then secondly, the confidence of Rahab's waiting. So let's just think for a moment about the boldness of her faith. Um, here's Rahab putting her faith, her hope, her confidence in a rope dangling in her window because of a deal she made with two blokes that turned up um, as part of an army that she did not know, and this is what her hope was based on. It was a sign, it was an indication of how serious she was something of her boldness, putting all of her trust in that conversation. She knew the answer to the predicament she was in lay in hanging a rope in the window. This was the guarantee. This was the representation that her family would be spared in what was about to happen. But she had to choose to tie it in the window. She had to choose to leave it there, visible to everybody, ready for what was coming, even though she wouldn't have understood uh, all of the details. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when the pressure's on and when there's a lot coming at us, uh, we can get quite cynical, we can despair, we can give up hope, we can sort of want to hide away. And that's how a lot of our Indigenous brothers and sisters feel. And uh, they, just, they just feel so left out, so neglected, um, so ignored in so many ways. It's hard for us to understand in our culture, whitefellow culture, what that really is like. And as you hear their stories and you reflect on the history and you do your homework, because I don't know about you, I was never brought up hearing the stories of our Indigenous people very much. Um, in school, we knew more about British history and European history and Asian history than we did about our own Indigenous uh, people. Well, not Rahab. Um, she feels unworthy. No doubt she feels quite trapped and imprisoned in many ways. But rather than stay stuck there and just assume, well, it's all over, it's too late, there's nothing I can do, she's been able to put some confidence because of what she knows of God and in these people that she knows God has brought to her town to actually step forward. And despite all the risks and the uncertainty, she's chosen to stand firm and put her hope 
in this. She follows through. It can be difficult to do. Make a decision. Make a choice. Stand firm. Be misunderstood. Be on your own. Not be able to explain to other people what's going on. The boldness of Rahab's faith. And this separates her from the rest of the population of Jericho based upon what she already knew of God, of the God of heaven and earth, what had already happened in other places. Choosing to make a choice, to make space for God to save her, to save her family, so that her future uh, could be quite different. Now, you might feel hopeless today about some things. There's things in my life at the moment that I've gotten used to just thinking, well, maybe this will never change. I wonder what that is for you. Sometimes it's just finding a job or finding a home to live in. Sometimes we can be overwhelmed by the cost of living as that just continues to race. I had a friend this week talking about his insurance bill this week, which was even worse than the increase in my bill and trying to work out um, what does he do with that. Sometimes it's a health challenge that, um, yeah, you can't do anything about. Um, Sometimes there's a broken relationship. Uh, Sometimes it's world events like we're you know, very obviously aware of at the moment in so many parts of our world. Well, Rahab's story uh, points us to the fact that her story and your story and our story is not over yet. When the God of heaven and earth is involved and working out his purposes, we can boldly continue to put our faith in him. And Rahab, despite her background, despite all that had already happened, a lady on her own, on the outside wall of a city that's about to be trampled. Um, Her life is completely different because of the boldness of her faith uh, that she puts in the one who she understands, does know it all, is ahead of her, that she needs to recognise and pay attention to. So the boldness of her faith, hope, certainly that's one of the key ideas. And then secondly, on top of that, Uh, And and so amazingly, I think, the confidence of Rahab's waiting. So she was pretty certain, I suppose, that the spies would keep their side of the bargain. She hoped they would. Well, I guess she decided it was the best deal she could make. She still had to wait. Uh, This wasn't going to necessarily happen tomorrow. She still had to hold on till the time came for her rescue. And she had to organise her family to be there in her house with her as all of that happened. I wonder how those conversations worked themselves out. I wonder how she explained to them what they needed to do and why. So she waited at the window. She looked out. She could see what was coming, um, probably on tiptoes sometimes, watching, wondering, is today the day? Um, Is the rope still there? Am I going to be okay? Do you remember the story that Jesus told about the waiting father, the prodigal son, the father that looked to the distance, waiting for his son to come home. And then when he spied the son um, returning, uh, picked up his cloak and, and ran towards his son. That sense of waiting with confidence. She couldn't be sure of the timing. She couldn't understand all the details, but she was prepared to wait. And then she had to watch the Israelites march around the wall. And there she was. She had you know, a wonderful view of that. Can you imagine this going on? Seven days, it went, it happened, didn't it? Round they went, round the wall. The next day, round they went again. The last day, they went round the wall seven times and she was still trusting with all the noise and no doubt, who knows, what was going on around Jericho, that she and her family would be okay. 
And if you know the rest of the story, you'll know that Rahab went on to be a part of the sweep of history that God sovereignly organised. I wonder if you appreciate that. Uh, She's there in the scriptures in lots of different ways. She marries uh, Boaz. Sorry, no, she doesn't. She gets married and becomes the mother of Boaz. You've heard of Boaz, haven't you? You remember the Boaz story? Boaz, who then, uh, and, and Ruth have a son, Obed. Uh, Obed's the father of who? Can you remember? Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. So Rahab is actually David's great, great grandmother. A prostitute in Jericho, the city that was trampled. A lady who hung a rope in her window is now part of the sweep of history uh, that continued. And there's more, isn't there? She gets mentioned in the New Testament three times. Uh, In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 5, she's listed in the genealogy of Jesus. I mean, really? Really? Jesus? Um, God has organised a non-Israelite, Canaanite woman who's prepared to put her faith in who this God is and to wait for him and to work it through with her occupation of all things and she becomes part of the family called out of the tribe of Judah that God decides to come to this earth in the person of his son Jesus Christ to reveal himself to us. Rahab is there in that genealogy. And then over in Hebrews chapter 11, the famous faith chapter, uh, Rahab gets a whole verse. Can you believe it? Verse 31 in in Hebrews 11. She gets more words in that chapter than King David does. Interesting. Uh, And then in James, James chapter 2, verse 25. James, in his letter, which is so focused on being people of action and putting our faith into action, uh, she's used as an example of uh, that sort of life. This is one amazing woman. Who would have thought that uh, a prostitute in Jericho, as God's people arrive 40 years later um, would be in the centre of things to this degree. She would have been uh, just as surprised as anyone. Someone who was prepared to surrender her life, to put her hope in the God of heaven and earth. Uh, What about you? What about me? What about us? Uh, In this time in history, in this city, uh, in this state, in this country, in this world, um, what does it say to you? Do you think it's too late? Do you think it's too hard Um, certainly our indigenous people, a lot of them, can feel like that. But we can all feel like that, can't we? We can sort of rationalise things away, give the responsibility to other people and, uh, I don't know, just sort of postpone our choices and lose perspective. Only God knows, only God knows what's going to flow out from our willingness to make a choice, just like Rahab did, to take a step, to be faithful in the moment, trusting that God is still in charge and we can take a step and another step. So I wonder where that is for you today. Where's God challenging you to uh, be a person of hope, to have a boldness in your faith, to have a confidence in waiting and to keep going? Now, sometimes we just feel like we're hanging on by a thread. I mean, a rope is made up of many threads, isn't it? Um, A thread. Hanging on by our fingernails, we say sometimes. What's that for you? Well, Rahab's story tells us that just hanging on by a thread, and some translations of the scriptures talk about it as a scarlet thread even, not even a rope, tells us that that's enough. That if we hold on to what God is saying and who he is, that he will not let us down. That we can trust in his character 
and his promises. And we need to pay attention to the last thing he told us to do and think, well, have we done it yet? Is God waiting for us? And so we keep going and we take the next step and we do it with confidence and we hold on. When we look through the whole of our, our Bible, the whole of the scriptures, there's actually a scarlet thread going right through from Genesis to Revelation that can be seen in various ways. In all of history, from beginning to end, as God shows his commitment to us, his desire to be in a love relationship with us, his willingness to make us for a purpose, to give meaning to our lives, to know that the story is not over yet, right up to the present Day. And so there's this thread, this cord, this rope of hope that goes right through the scriptures. In Egypt, it was the blood of the Passover lamb put on the door frames, literally a, a, a scarlet cord there. For Rahab, well, it was a rope of hope, a scarlet cord. And then ultimately it was the blood on the cross as Jesus was prepared to take that even further and to do that for us and to throw us a lifeline and a rope of of a kind, if you like. So we can all and always grab God's rope of hope. It's still there. It's still available. It's never out of reach. And because of Jesus, uh, everything still has that meaning and that possibility. So I want to encourage you today, so I finish up, wherever you're at, whatever's going on for you, Maybe nobody else knows um, where your head's gone to today as we think about hope. But to take a step of hope, to grab the rope, to not give up, to give God a chance again, to, uh, I don't know, retie the cord in your window that you look out and just be prepared to wait with a new confidence and to keep holding on to that. We all have a past. Uh, God knows that. Rahab had a past, um, and yet that was not going to uh, determine her future, was it? Our Indigenous people have got a past that we're just starting to understand. We, um, we're really so ignorant in so many ways about what they've gone through. And each Indigenous person's got a story just like you have a story. But wonderfully, God can redesign, um, even out of terrible circumstances, what comes out of all that. He can use it for his purposes He can miraculously and surprisingly and remarkably uh, do something new and fresh. God's rope of hope is actually all we need. But sometimes we have to be reminded of that. Sometimes we try everything else and then we think, okay, I better give God a chance. Or what was that verse in the Bible? Or will I pray about it? The encouragement of Rahab to be different, to be bold, to be confident. And to know then that together as individuals and as a community, we can actually lead the way. We can show Melbourne that has sort of lost its way, that's looking out to the horizon, wondering if anybody's got their act out there. Can we trust anybody? Is there anybody that's going to lead us through their lives, through integrity, through consistency? Um, how's that going to happen? I'm in Bo Morris and Morty Alec and the suburbs around here, I wonder. How are we going to show the world literally the reason that we have for the hope that we enjoy. And we can do that alongside our Indigenous brothers and sisters. Uh, God's brought us together. We need to be alongside each other. Uh, It's not about just a one-way conversation or a one-way relationship. Uh, They need us. They need our support. They want our support. Uh, We need them, dare I say, more than we realise. And I think as... um, 
we've been out amongst them now. And as we look back at Melbourne and Victoria and parts of our world through a different window, you realise that actually our Indigenous people um, could teach us so much. They, they see through our culture. They see our issues. You might be surprised what they think about you and I. Um, they have great wisdom and uh, an amazing history and perspective on our culture as well. But together, as we hold on to the rope of hope, um, things will change. And uh, there's lots of surprises ahead of us, I think. Well, let's pray together. Let's pray.